Welcome to the Magic Potion Podcast, where a sprinkle and a dash can enhance your class. Listen to learn about tools, techniques, and stories from educators on ways to improve your lessons, create a positive culture, and much more. I'm your host, Kevin Reinemann, and now it's time to make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode 21, Digital Discipleship, with my special guest, Andrea Chavez-Cop from NCEA. Andrea, could you say hello to the audience? Let them know who you are and your background in education, please. Sure. Uh, First, Kevin, thanks for having me today. Uh, I work with NCEA, the National Catholic Educational Association, and my role here is an assistant director for educational and formation programs. So anything to do with um, professional development, education, online learning, um, and of course, faith formation. I do a little bit of everything. That's awesome. I always love hearing about your job. I I, I like the title and I like the stuff you do. It seems like something that I, I myself would enjoy doing as well. Of course, when it's professional development, you always get my attention. <laughs> well, the title is great because it can mean anything, you know, education and formation. It <laughs> could be anything. So and it's kind of what it is like to work at NCEA. Sometimes it's a little bit of everything. But um, prior to being here at NCEA, I was a classroom teacher. I taught uh, high school social studies and I taught middle school English and STEM science. And I also uh, worked doing youth ministry for middle and high school. So I have like a a nice little mix of background before I came here to D.C. and joined the staff of NCEA. You've done a little bit bit of everything then. Well, our, our topic to talk about today is digital discipleship. And before this calendar year, I had never heard of the concept. Um, so could you tell us, you know, start from scratch. What is digital digital discipleship and what does it look like? That's a great place to start because I think um, when you say the words and you haven't heard them together, they both sort of make sense individually and kind of trying to figure out what that is, um, is probably something that we're all, we're all trying to do, even those, those of us who've been sort of dabbling in the digital discipleship area for a while. But really, we're all very familiar with the concept of digital citizenship, Um, what it is to be responsible, to be safe online. All of those sorts of curriculum exist, even in the secular audiences. So as Catholic school people, in everything that we do, we're sort of applying that faith lens to things. So looking at the opportunity for aligning digital citizenship concepts with Catholic teaching, particularly Catholic social teaching, because if you really look at Catholic social teaching and some of those um, foundational philosophies behind digital citizenship, they actually align pretty closely. So um, those of us who are sort of in this digital discipleship space are looking at ways to explicitly um, line up Catholic teaching with digital citizenship and provide uh, resources to all the educators out there that it might benefit. And, and not only, you know, Catholic school people, but also our partners in ministry that may be in the parishes or, or working, um, you know, off campus, things like that. So it's similar to the concept of, you know, how STEM has been growing over the years. It started as science, technology, engineering, math. Um, then you started to hear people put the second M for medicine 
or they add the A for the arts. And now we're hearing a lot of buzz about stream in the Catholic education world where we're introducing uh, the religion content area as well to focus on these projects. So I guess digital discipleship is, like you said, using that faith-based lens to look at the same thing the secular world is doing at the same time. Right. And I think, um, you know, everything's cyclical a little bit, right? So for years, we've been hearing educating the whole child. It's really just that same concept. It's just that as, you know, education and innovation continue to change so quickly, uh, we want to make sure that religion doesn't get left out of that, you know, reevaluation of how we, we engage with content. And then also, you know, th- my personal feeling with this is that our young people are so engaged with digital devices outside of school. And we, of course, want them to live their Catholic faith, you know, not only when they're in their classroom or when they're in church on Sunday, and hopefully they're, they are when and that they're in church, but, you know, we want them to have a strong foundation in, in what it means to be Catholic or live virtuously within digital spaces. And that's not simply just, you know, not saying mean things online, but really what does it say about you as a Catholic? How do you um, look at content with a, with an eye that would um, be looking at, is this something that, that aligns with what I believe is to be good and true uh, and how you create content as well. You know, so if you look at sort of evangelization and our call to evangelization, how can just through our everyday communications uh, can we evangelize through technology? And I've seen some uh, growth in the realm of, well, podcasts, there's, there's focus on Catholic education specifically with some podcasts out there. And then uh, YouTube videos, there's a lot of phenomenal series out there where, you know, it's not just kids watching video games which so often happens when we see kids using YouTube, but there are great things out there for students to learn more about their faith and see how people are, are living it out um, outside of just their teachers and, and the, the priests and everyone in their churches and everything. So the realm of the digital life was something that wasn't there 15 years ago, 10, even 10 years ago. So I completely agree that this is something that we really should be focusing on and it could easily be looked over. So, so starting this conversation is definitely key to, to help spreading the word and, and letting it grow. Well, and you know, those video game walkthroughs, for example, now I have two teenage boys, so super familiar with this interface. Okay. And they, they really want to be YouTubers. You know, they will, um, They'll want to record themselves and their friends and post their little walkthroughs. And that's, that's great. But wouldn't it be cool if they were just as sort of comfortable or excited to be talking about their faith while they were playing video games? This isn't about like faith outside of their everyday lives, but you know, whatever, whatever content they're into, I don't care if it's video games or skateboarding or, you know, a cause books, whatever it is, you know, the faith should be integrated in it. And that's really, that's really kind of the point with, with steam and stream versus STEM, you know, a true integration, because it's not enough to, you know, just sort of talk about religion and digital spaces and keep it separate from everything else, because really walking the faith and living the faith is applicable to everything that we do. 
So there's, there's a lot of elements that could be, but I think even just like you said, having the conversation and shifting the mindset to this digital sphere as really rich opportunity, um, for faith formation, catechesis and evangelization and connecting with young people. It's not a knowing your facts about the catechism in religion class. It's about being a good person all day, every day, and fully living out your life as we were called to do. Yes. And I, well, of course we want them to be good people and know their catechism, but I think also another part is how do you teach how to sort of navigate when you're not sure what the right thing to do is, you know, I think adults could really benefit from some digital discipleship training as well. Right. Because, you know, sometimes somebody will, will post something online and okay, maybe, you know, their theology might not be exactly correct, or you just disagree with that interpretation and, and how quickly sometimes do we put each other on blast, you know, even from a faith lens, you know, so really thinking about how do you have civil discourse and make a safe space to ask questions about the faith? Uh, because there have to be those authentic experiences. And, you know, why not learn and speak in digital spaces as well as a, a formal classroom? Absolutely. It's it's a much needed tool in today's mm-hmm. society, whether you're talking about religion specifically or if you're talking about just politics in general, being able to have that civil discourse is so important. But, um, you know, when I first heard the term digital discipleship, I think I had actually just met you for the Mm -hmm. first time down in Florida (laughs) and we were, um, heading out to go meet up with some other Catholic educators because there was this digital discipleship network conference happening at the same time as FETC, if I remember correctly. That's how it was all kind of organized there. Yes, yes. Good memory. So, um, yeah, we were at the Future of Educational Technology Conference, and I actually happened upon the Digital Discipleship Network myself by accident because I was, you know, sort of kicking this around in my head and developing a talk for a ministry conference. And then in doing some research, I stumbled upon the Digital Discipleship Network, um, which was founded by Sister Carolyn Servany, who, um, if you're if you haven't Googled her, look up you know Digital Discipleship Bootcamp. She does sort of online little things for parish people about um, you know using technology and catechesis. So I started talking with her, and she invited me to be part of this summit. Now, whenever I go to a secular conference, I always go through the the list and try to see okay who is from a Catholic school, and I try to connect with them. Just I always do that. So, you know, and we knew each other through Twitter, of course, long before we met in person. Uh, So, yeah, that that was a neat way to sort of have our first because we connected digitally, you know, and we've done a ton of work together since then. So I think it's a really great example of the power of not only sort of professional learning, but sort of the digital discipleship piece in action. Yeah, it's the glory of Twitter and and how it is connected (laughs) educators from all over the place. Um, You know, we met up with. I was all nervous to head down to Orlando because I was going by myself, first time traveling by myself. And then I think the day before I got on the plane, uh, uh, Barb in Nebraska had sent out a tweet saying, hey, who's going to FETC? Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, what? I'm I'm going to know people down there, even though I hadn't actually <laughs> met. It, it creates this feeling of family and friendship, even though you may not have 
met in person or even seen their face. Who knows? Their profile picture might still be the egg from when they made the account. <laughs> but how phenomenal was it that all of a sudden here's uh, Barb from Nebraska, you from the D.C. area. Mm-hmm. I'm coming from Ohio. We have uh, Ken Willers from San Francisco met up with us down there. And and then uh, Bill Brannick from Philadelphia. All of a sudden we're all connected down there. And uh, oh, can't forget Carrie from yeah. Lakewood St. Ed's too, because she's another Ohio person, but she's from and Minnesota. And for several of us, that was the first time we'd yeah. met in person and had been talking for years on Twitter. So it was really exciting to kind of get that opportunity. And uh, I understand you're going to be at FETC again yes, this year. Yes. Um, and with the whole magic potion, the name of this podcast, the G in it means get out there specifically Twitter and conferences. So this kind of fits in perfect with that. Um, So yeah, I'm going to be down at the Future of Education Technology Conference again. That'll be January 27th through the 30th, 2019 in Orlando, Florida at the Orange County Convention Center. So I have two workshops and a concurrent session. Um, I'm going to be talking about 3D printing in the classroom. Uh, I'm going to look at the Metaverse app and how you can do augmented reality um, in your classroom or use it for marketing at your school. And then I'm also going to highlight a project that we did with. And there's little Cooper joining us as well. (laughs) That's okay, buddy. Um, And the a little project we did over Google between two schools here, uh, 20 miles apart. And you're presenting as well, I believe, right? Yes. It'll be my first time presenting at that conference. Um, so I'm presenting on, uh, they think it's called the tool is irrelevant and it's about the metacognition behind selecting digital tools for the classroom. So really, um, the gist is it really doesn't matter what ed tech tool you're picking. If you're not picking it based on sort of the learning goals, So we all fall victim to the, wow, that's cool, flashy new app or website, or, you know, we, I want to try that moment, but then sort of backing that up with, okay, so what are the learning goals associated with that? So that's what I'm presenting on this time. I really hope you're not presenting at a time that I'm presenting so that I can go (laughs) to that one. Well, you've got, you know, like the big time workshops. I'm a noob at that conference. You know, you're doing a ton of stuff. So I'm, I am sure that won't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a good time. And, and that, that session that you're doing is so important for teachers to realize because it is so easy to get caught up with, oh man, these cahoots are really fun. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the kids learning? Okay. It's a good reinforcement tool. It's great for formative assessment, but you don't do it just to do it for fun. You know, use it to actually guide your classroom and and guide your lesson planning, as well as, you know, hitting that, those facts that need to be reviewed before a test or something like that. Don't just do it every week to do it. And honestly, that ends up making it not so fun for the students. (laughs) It it takes the pizzazz away from it when you're doing it so much. But I can definitely well, appreciate I mean, that. We all, we all have those, like, sometimes you see something cool and you're like, you got to try it, you know, just so you know if you like it and how your kids are going to interact. And then you adapt it. Sometimes that's part of the learning process. But um, but I think, too, bringing kids into the conversation about how did this work for you? What do you like in, in the digital stuff? Because I think using the kids as sort of a barometer for what's working and what's not working is kind of an underutilized tactic. 
you know, so that'd be one of the things I'll talk about is how do you, what is your sort of mental rubric and checklist? And then what is your kids? So what does success look like for you? What does it look like for them? Yes. And there's often that time where you could be thinking, wow, this is the greatest tech integration I've ever done in, in my time as a teacher. And then somebody could go ask the students what they thought. And they're like, yeah, that was all right. Don't you or love maybe, that when you like maybe. agonize over a lesson plan and they're like, eh. <laughs> that's one of the worst feelings as a teacher. It's like, oh, all this work and effort and I'm so proud of this and it falls flat, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's okay. <life. laughs> that's just preparing you for future endeavors. You yeah. never know what's going to happen there. So, well, and those who do ed tech, you know, I think are, develop a thick skin because you're basically the first time you use something, you're basically going in like, this could be a disaster. <laughs> Everything could go wrong and you do it anyway. So I think it's brave. I think it's brave to try new things and it's important to fail because that, and the way you fail teaches kids too, you know? Yes. And that's part of, here we go again, part of the magic potion, the C, stay calm. <laughs> things will not go right a hundred percent of the time, but it's important to model the behaviors that uh, we want to see in our students as well. They need to be able to go with the flow and, and just run with it if something doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Or if all of a sudden your child is playing with toys and then tossing them <laughs> as he's doing <laughs> off to the side. That's great. Well, that's oh. perfect because that's what our classrooms are like, right? Yes, they can easily be like that. <laughs> but you know what? He's got a big smile on his face and he's exploring right now. So yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> Me too. I'm glad he's there. So um, I guess the other big conference that's coming up for you is going to be NCEA in Chicago. I will yes. be there as well. Yeah. Again, doing a couple presentations. So um, I'm excited for this because this is my first time going to the NCEA conference. I'm not sure why I didn't go last year when it was in Ohio, in Cincinnati. <laughs> and only a couple hours you should edit that part out because you have no excuse for that one, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. So um, what are what? What do I absolutely need to see and visit while I'm at that conference? Because it, it seems like there's a bunch of like after hours things going on at that conference. There's a ton of stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the beauty of that conference is I think there's absolutely something for everybody. Um, you and I tend to be sort of in, the, in that ed tech space. And of course, in addition to other things, but um, we have some really exciting featured speakers this year. Um we're doing a, we have Roy Pettifee, who has a great social media following himself. He um, does counseling and, and student mental health stuff. He's going to be there. Um, Mike Potan, who's huge in, you know, teacher spirituality, he would be one not to miss. Of course, you know, all the people you mentioned already, you know, <laughs> who are in the ed tech space um, will be there. Um, and our tweet up that we host every year is going to be great this year. We're going to do some some new um, exciting things with our social media hub. So that tweet up is going to be really featured in a different way. And there's going to be stuff going on with social media, little mini workshops and such sort of throughout the conference, not just sort of at one time. So we're still putting together some of the details and the scheduling of that. But uh, definitely download the NCEA conference app because that's where everything will wind up and it's easy to search and all of that. But we are very excited about this year's conference. Uh, registration numbers are looking great and we have just an amazing lineup of speakers. 
And that one is April 22nd through the 25th, yes. I believe, in Chicago, Illinois, at the uh, McCormick yes, Center. Yes, that's correct. Which I believe is. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, uh, and I believe that is where... really quick. Tell me, because are you doing the Metaverse at NCEA? That's one of them, right? Yes, I am doing two sessions. Uh, the first is Metaverse. Um, yet again, where we're talking about augmented reality and how you can use it in your classroom and how you can use it to, uh, you know, market your school or even your business and stuff. I'm hearing companies like pizza places that are, are using it to, uh, help people gain points and stuff. So it's a really neat tool. Um, I think they still need to do work on it and it's still kind of young, but I'm looking forward to sharing that. And I'm also doing the 3d printing in your classroom. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different at NCEA because I'm going to take more of a Catholic focus on it and, and examine how we can really bring home 3d printing in uh, project-based learning that involves religious education as well. So I got a couple project ideas that um, I'm still working on on trying to get in classrooms myself and do, but I definitely okay. want to share well, those with uh, the teachers that are there. That's a perfect tie-in with our topic today, though, isn't it? Digital discipleship yeah. and sort of incorporating that bar piece into the stream. That's great. Absolutely. So uh, is there, as we wind down here, is there anything else you would like to share? And how can my audience members get in touch with you if they are looking to touch base with you? Well, I think um, certainly a lot of people always ask, how do you, what are tips to get accepted to present at NCEA or how does that process work? So just um, for those of you who may not be in the lineup this year, but are interested, you know, in presenting, we have, we actually have a call for proposals open now for our, one of our summer conferences for Catholic school leaders. But um, for the convention, pretty much right after the convention, we open up our proposal process. So please consider um, coming to the, the convention and checking it out and then consider being a presenter because we're always looking for new voices and it's a very simple sort of online submission process and um, I read all of them and I don't get to pick all by myself but we have sort of an external review where you know blind review from our members so you get that you know feedback and, and we review them internally but there are just um, you know, hundreds and hundreds that come in. It's really difficult to sometimes pick, but we we hope to offer you a really well-rounded, carefully selected program this year. Um, if you're interested in connecting with NCEA, you can do that um, through social media, through, you know, NCEA Talk is our Twitter handle and NCEA Org is our Facebook. Or if you're interested in connecting with me personally, I'm at ADCOP, K-O-P-P 76 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and everything else you can think of. <laughs> I use the same handle for everything. So uh, I'm easy to find. Well, great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, has there been a decision made on NCEA 2020? Oh my gosh, that's hard for me to say. It's almost 2020. Um, where will that one be located? Or is I that known yet? I believe that one's going to be in Baltimore. Baltimore, okay. So, well, once again, thank you for being on the show today. And as always, audience members, go out there and make it happen. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Magic Potion Podcast. This podcast was created using Anchor FM. 
Please subscribe and leave comments with your thoughts and ideas from the classroom. Until next time, get out there and make it happen.